Hello, everyone. In this episode, we're talking about how the world of work is changing, how organizations are responding, and what it takes to build a better future. Let's get started. Welcome to the Changing the World of Work podcast, where we provide insightful, practical content to untangle and demystify workplace change. I'm Karen Plum, Director at Advanced Workplace Associates, where we combine science with 30 years experience, helping organizations change the way they work for the better. Welcome to the first episode of the podcast, where my guest is founder and managing director of Advanced Workplace Associates, Andrew Mawson. Hello, Andrew. Hi, Karen. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. And uh, welcome to the show. So I think it's quite clear that the world of work has been changing for quite a while, but it's definitely accelerated since the start of the pandemic. How do you think things have changed since March 2020? Hmm. Well, I think um, since March 2020, a lot of people have had some of their illusions about, um, you know, the negative side of working away shattered. I think for a long time on a lot of the work we've been doing, we've been identifying large populations of people who wanted more flexibility in the way they worked. And um, leaders were often the people who got in the way of that because they didn't believe that uh, people could work effectively away and they could trust them and all these sorts of good things. And that has been, you know, one of the myths that's been completely, um, you know, taken out of the equation during this uh, last 12 months. And I think the other thing is I think people have learned some new, some new skills. They've learned that there's possibly another way of doing things. Some people have learned that they were doing jobs in the office that frankly didn't need to be in the office. And, um, I think that all of these things have brought together <clears throat> enormous number, numbers of learnings for for organizations and uh, I think it's a great time for reinvention really. Absolutely. So um, as you said we know that the demand for for flexibility from the staff isn't something that's new. All of the surveys we've run all, all over the years bear that out. But Lots of organizations were still not willing to entertain the idea of giving more flexibility. Do you think, as you, you just said, it was uh, partly to do with management, do you think that they were the big blocker and that's the reason why organizations held out for such a long time? Yeah, for sure. And, and honestly, I don't think that's gone away. I think inside of many organizations, there's a little bit of a battle going on between the leaders who are more in the progressive camp and the leaders who have become very... Um, kind of accustomed to working in a kind of hierarchical and physical um, sense. And I think for many people, the mental model of the world around work has really shifted enormously over the last 12 months. You know, the notion that work doesn't have to be in an, synonymous with an office, that we're, we can work in other places. Perhaps that we don't really pay quite so much attention to hierarchy. We've all become kind of real humans. We've all got fridge magnets and, and pets, it would appear. So I think there's there's lots of stuff here, but I do think there is a bit of battle going on uh, in organizations between people at senior level who are quite powerful, who frankly don't want the world to change, to be honest, and, a, and a, an increasingly growing proportion of the population that they have in their organization who who want flexibility and um, and can see no reason why it can't be afforded under conditions that, that seem reasonable and fair. 
Yes, it it seems to me from the headlines that we read that there are senior leaders or, or CEOs, in fact, who are making decisions purely based on their own mental model of the world and not taking on board all of the 12, 14 months worth of evidence that has been accumulated over this period. We are very strong on evidence-based management. Do you think that they can really get away with ignoring all that evidence? I don't think so. I mean, I think even companies like Goldman Sachs, who have been, you know, very strident in wanting to have their people back, in fact, demanding it, it seems to me that ultimately they will lose out. I mean, you know, there's a classic example of an organization that's dominated by hierarchy and physicality. And I think ultimately, you know, they may well lose out on really good people who decide that they want to go to a, a firm that is a little bit more thoughtful and puts them in the in the driving seat. I mean, you know, you take organ- some of the organizations like that and the, the number of hours that people are actually being required to work, particularly at the junior end, is frankly criminal. So, you know, when you, you, you add all these things together, you see a kind of a picture of an organization and I think the, the, the more progressive organizations are, have already preempted the return to the office. And, and others are yet saying, well, let's see what happens, but at least addressing things with a reasonably open mind uh, as, we, as we go forward. As an organization, we're helping uh, our clients to build a better future. Can you say a bit about our approach and, and how, we, how we help them to do this? Well, yeah, I mean, you know, a lot of a lot of people in a lot of organisations, a lot of leaders are in, in a bit of turmoil here because this whole this whole thing has brought into question lots of things about the way we do things, not just about where you work, but actually how the organisation is is run, how leaders behave, um, and and how we manage to afford our workforce the levels of diversity that clearly are being sought. So everybody's looking for something different. And so the challenge is is no longer one of these situations where a company can issue an edict or a, a policy. This is going to require uh, real people having real conversations within a framework of um, you know what the company is prepared to accept. And that framework, theoretically, would be well done, well developed in a much more democratic style. So most of the work that we've been doing has been trying to look at the the problem of what do we want to be in the future through four lenses, really, the top one from the vision standpoint. What is senior leadership trying to achieve? Then what do people aspire to? And, And then, you know, what is actually right for the business? You know, which functions can really operate in a way which is very uh, very different or does, don't need to be in a physical space. And then really look at the infrastructure, IT, HR policies and practices and, and buildings. And really trying from those four standpoints to build a picture of the reality of how things are from which then a senior leadership team can begin to consider the future. I think all too often the problem is that the the whole uh, debate at senior level is either not happening because it's a bit too kind of uh, tender or it's happening in a very opinion fueled kind of way. And so the essence of the approach, I think, that we've been taking very successfully with you know, large numbers of organizations around the world is really to, to get back to the evidence and really get under the bonnet of what is the, what is the real need 
um, for physicality and and how does the organization how is it set in order to take advantage of this notion in the in the longer term really yes i think that's right and actually i thought it might be interesting to hear from some of the team in terms of what their clients are saying both leaders and uh, members of staff let's have a listen to what they said what are leaders saying about the post-pandemic world and uh, the role of space going forward? Well, I, th- I think there's a few interesting things. Firstly, I think actually this conversation is a barometer of the culture of, of organizations, whether they see the post-pandemic world, new working styles as uh, an opportunity or a risk to be managed. Clearly, we're seeing both. There's some large U.S organizations who believe that you know they need everybody back to work that's where their culture is driven that's where the work is done that's how collaborations happens other organizations maybe not so uh, us centric uh, are saying no this is a um, great opportunity people have expressed uh, their views about this issue they we've worked incredibly well in a sort of disparate distributed way and we'd love to continue that we're going to downsize our uh, portfolios clearly this is not about space anymore this is a much bigger issue about satisfaction about productivity about attracting talent and i think that's where uh, the game has significantly moved so we've heard uh, a mix of opinions Uh, basically a section that does not have the right setup at home or they thrive off other people's energy. They desperately want to go back to the office. There's another section that have a good setup at home and have been much more productive than they were before. And they would like to stay at home and not go, go back at all. And of course, there is another last section that probably makes up the maximum of the people and that they would fall into the category of wanting a mix. So they want to do a few days at home and around a day or two maximum in the office but across the board people want to have the choice to be able to make that decision on where they would like to work in the future with wanting to do mainly focused alone activities at home while they want to be physically together in the same space for collaboration creative and brainstorming type activities they want to know what the purpose of the office will be they're concerned about retaining good people and having good talent stay with them and many seem to be uncertain about how to move forward. They really feel stuck. They seem stuck. That's what I keep hearing. Senior leaders have also talked about how the past year has made visible the gaps in their managers on how they manage people. Like they had this assumption that being physically in the office meant their people were being managed well. And they've just recognized that's not the truth. But right now, I am really seeing them struggle with what's the purpose of the office and how do I need to keep my people motivated if I want to be in the office and they don't. So we heard from our colleagues, Chris, Tanisha and Lisa there. What's the key message you take from from what they said, Andrew? I think for me, what's important is that organisations equip themselves to be successful in a virtualized model And by that, I mean that people can work pretty well effectively anywhere and they can lead effectively anywhere. And then by making people strong and resilient in that kind of context and effective, 
then basically we've upskilled the organization in such a way that it then can use space when it's useful and valuable and not simply see it as a prerequisite on a daily basis. So does the physical workplace come become more of a, a destination? Well, I think, you know, the physical workplace needs to have a purpose. And I think organisations and architects need to start thinking about the purpose in a much more sort of forensic way than maybe they have done in the past. You know, the purpose of, you know, for many organisations of the office is going to be a place where we, we get together to solve problems, we work on difficult things, we fuse knowledge and, and energy um, that would be difficult to do if we were elsewhere. It's for things that require a regulatory overlay where people have to be be around. You know, we've got to think more forensically about the whole reason why we need them. For me, you know, this is really sounding the death knell for the traditional office and what we might call an open plan environment. And and it really starts to push you directly in the direction of a more activity-based and thoughtfully designed workplace that gives people a variety of different sorts of facilities and tools to get on and do the stuff that they are doing either on their own or in teams or with clients or with communities. But, you know, thoughtful design, I think, is what we now, we now need. So just finally, Andrew, for anyone that's still on the fence or some somebody that's working for a CEO that's telling everyone to come back to the office as soon as they possibly can, what would you advise? How how can they navigate that space? Well, I mean, the approach we've been taking with a number of clients is to say that if you want to, as an organization, you know, get the benefits of this time and, and really you know, use it as a time for evolution and reinvention, then the way to do that is really involve people. You know, we know from our own research that, and our, our own thinking around organizations that, you know, one of the most important things is, is the building of community and involving people in working out how things need to be in the future and getting everybody connected along the way. And I think one of the ways to, to do that is to use this time and embrace the notion of connecting with people in thinking through how the future might look. Well, the first step that we've been suggesting is that you know, companies need to get some firm guidelines on the table. So things like some stakes in the ground. We don't have second-class citizens, for instance. We don't want an us and them, people in the office, people working away culture. We want one culture. Things like when we're in the office, we use things as we need them and we make them available for other people. So there's a bunch of principles, and of course they're going to be different for each organisation, but there's some principles that need to be worked out, probably by the senior leadership team with a bit of tyre kicking along the way. And then really that has to be translated into... What do we expect of people on a day-to-day -day basis? What are we prepared to allow? What are we prepared not to allow? Where are the tram lines, really? And that process, again, can be done in a quite a democratic way, if you so choose. But then the idea is really to get leaders and managers, anybody who's managing people, really to get fully equipped and understand what all that means, and then be confident to go and have conversations with the team about which model of working might be most 
appropriate for the team. And I think it is a team issue. And what are the what will be the new rules? And and by that I mean, you know, what are the, what's the new agreement that we make between ourselves about how we work? So it might be that some some people are not available until nine thirty in the morning, and we recognise that we record it because taking kids to school or whatever. Or it may be that we agree that there is a period of during the day, maybe a what I would call a sort of work siesta, where we just don't set up any calls of any kind at all. We want people to have some time to go go for a walk or do something that requires, you know, doesn't require them to be on calls all the time. Basically, what are the the new rules? We, we'll use Teams in a particular kind of way. We'll share our calendars. It's okay for me to put stuff in your diary without me giving you permission. All of these little things that sort of we've kind of left hanging a bit in the past, but now we want to make them uh, real and we want to make them firm. And so I think going through this process, which is largely conversational, is is a way to to get your your organisation engaged in in this whole thing and and really get the energy behind this uh, this this movement really, and that 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 I think is the best way. I think issuing um, policies and procedures and diktats and stuff. I mean, it's never going to really float the boats of most of your employees. It might it might look easy and comfortable and neat and tidy from a leadership perspective, but it, I don't think it's going to be a, a lasting um, way of going about things, to be honest. And I'm with you there, but we've run out of time today, so thanks very much indeed for sharing your thoughts. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Thank you very much, Karen. If you're changing the world of work in your organisation, we'd love to introduce you to the Advanced Workplace Institute a membership group dedicated to supporting people tackling the challenges of change. Designed for leaders from the disciplines of HR, corporate real estate, IT, operations and facilities management, we share insights and research, facilitate peer-to-peer discussions on a wide range of topics and support members in their personal and their organisational development. I'm David Smalley. I'd be delighted to invite you to an AWI event as our guest. If you're interested, there are details in our show notes. I look forward to hearing from you. It was good to hear Andrew's perspective as he's talking to organisations all over the world. Sometimes it's easy to think we're all facing the same challenges. And actually, it's quite important to recognise that there are differences in the the different countries where we operate. So I'm delighted to welcome Neda Metab, our market leader in California. Hello, Neda. Hello, Karen. How are you? I'm good, thank you. It's great to see you. So I was wondering what trends you're seeing in California. We're getting closer to organizations maybe thinking of opening their offices. Are most people heading back to the office or are they leaving people to decide what's best for them? What's going on? In California, or particularly in the Bay Area, the one thing that organizations are really keen on uh, setting the stage right for is giving employees choice. From Bay Area Trends perspective, uh, giving employees choice, uh, understanding the appetite for future ways of working. And from the portfolio perspective, a lot of organizations are not really over-exercising the uh, optimization or consolidation strategies because they also want to learn and see how the future 
use of portfolio is going to be in the Bay Area or globally. And a lot of companies that are in the Bay Area are global anyway. So when they are developing the strategies, they're already developing those uh, mechanisms that will be scalable and repeatable in different geographies too. That's pretty much what I'm seeing in a nutshell. Does that go across all industries, Neda? I mean, we see a lot of headlines from the big tech companies. Are you seeing the same sort of trends across other sectors? I do want to comment on the your question about the headlines from other large tech companies, but well. I think there are many things that are hidden and are still being worked out. So the headlines not necessarily don't give a full picture. It just shows what is the sentiment in the moment uh, or the position that an organization is taking. And to your other part of question, which is, are we seeing similar trends in the other sectors? Yes, but at a lower pace, also because that tech industry is way ahead in experimenting and have a lot of availability of resources as well. Uh, So they're able to experiment in the interest of giving employees a lot of experimentation options and the um, choice. Other industries are following through, but there are many other variables in the picture. For instance, utility industry, regulated. They cannot follow an aggressive path because the strictness and the rigidity of the compliance with the regulatory comes with a higher stakes. So uh, similarly, the insurance industry or the financial industry, more regulated you are, the slower your pace becomes because you have to think of many other variables. The culture is different. So I wouldn't say that the industry perspective in the Bay Area is uh, relatively different, except for, you know, being in California, you have to be an industry leader in terms of the sustainability and climate control and your benchmarking and your goals are much, uh, much more aggressive than if you're not in California. So from that perspective, yes, tech is experimenting in the workplace environment. Uh, utility companies are taking this as an opportunity to lead more in the area of sustainability uh, by reducing the carbon footprint. So, Neda, the organizations that you're working with that may be headquartered in California, but they're global organizations, are you seeing that they're adopting different solutions in different parts of the world? Clearly, you know, there are different cultures, different expectations. Are you being exposed to much of that at the moment? That's a great question, Karen. The companies that are headquartered in California and do have global presence, even if these two factors are consistent, their solutions can still be different. And we are seeing that because it is also a function of what are their long-term organizational goals and vision? What do they need to prioritize in terms of uh, the future of their organization? For instance, a client of ours is thinking of this as a business continuity plan and diversifying their future talent pool geographically, whereas basically allowing their entire workforce to to have enough choices to work from anywhere. On the other hand, some other clients that we are talking to, they are really leading the way in terms of the culture. Uh, So they want to create that culture in their portfolio and their workplace. So their future solutions are more tied to what can we bring to the employees that will attract them back to the the workplace. So both are giving employee uh, preference and it's more employee-centric solutions, but it's push and pull that we are giving more choice to be geographically um, diversified 
And the other organization is saying that I'm going to give you more choices within the workplace to bring you back to it. There is no right and wrong. I think it's just a matter of how much resources and how much time and how much aligned you are with your long-term vision. Absolutely. And I think it echoes what Andrew was saying about the people-centric approach and that we're really moving away from, from space being the focus that we're looking at. And I think it's there's a whole world of opportunity opening up now, and I think it's really positive. So just to wrap up, if you could give one piece of advice to people considering what the future should look like for their organization, what would you say? Just live in your backpack. <laughs> Have a bigger backpack, maybe? No, you'll be surprised how much you can fit into a smaller one too. It's just, no, jokes apart, I really think that our our work in the future, how it looks like with the AI coming and all the technological advancements and people being more adaptive to to uh, working in different ways, soon the our connection with the workplace is not going to be similar to what we are used to seeing. And what I mean by that is, you can still show up in a workplace. You can still go to a place and work from. It's not something that's tied to you or tied to your work. And living in a backpack really doesn't mean that you absolutely have nowhere to go. It basically means that you are equipped with the right tools and the right agreement with your management and your uh, leadership that you can be effective working from anywhere. So that. I think we just have to learn to compartmentalize that if people are more agile doesn't mean from a leadership perspective, they're not effective. And from employee or people perspective that, oh, you have no home. You can still have a home. You can still be productive with or without the workplace. So why am I coming to the workplace? What from the leadership vision or from the employee vision that will vary from organization to organization. And I, I think that's what we're helping other different clients as well in finding the right solutions, because the answer will be somewhere in the middle, but different in the shade of gray that exists between on-site and, and remote. I think that's a great place to finish. Neda, thank you very much for sharing your insights with us. And that's it for this episode. See you again soon. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Changing the World of Work podcast. Please subscribe or like the show so you don't miss any of our content. You can find more information on this episode in our show notes, including a link to the AWA website if you'd like to know more about us. Hope to see you next time. Goodbye.